Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. That was me playing the clarinet, uh, playing four different parts and recording it on GarageBand. Um, yes, that's what you do when you're utterly bored and there's no archers to listen to. Thank you. Hi, Dumpty Dummers. This is Alison Siegenthaler. I tweet as Cheers. I've met some of you and I hope to meet more of you in the future. I'm sponsoring this episode and the next of Dumpty Dum as part of a fundraising initiative. On the 6th of September, I'll be running a half marathon for charity from Kew Gardens to Richmond Park along the Thames. I've been training for this for about three months now. A half marathon is 13 miles or just over 21K. And though I've run races before, I've never done one this long. My chosen charity for this race is Mind the Mental Health Charity. It's perhaps good timing that this week we've seen one of the storylines in The Archers that deals with mental health really come to a head. This is, of course, the domestic violence storyline with Helen and Rob. While another one, Kenton's slow slide into depression, continues on. As a charity, Mind deals with every possible type of mental health problem, literally from abuse and addiction all the way down to well-being and working with vulnerable children and adults. Mind is a charity Helen could go to in order for uh, therapy and support to rebuild her sense of self when she breaks free of Rob, which she will. Mind is a charity that Kenton could go to in order to address his increasing dependency on alcohol and his financial worries. Mind could help Bert with his grief over Frida. It could help figure out what on earth is going on with Alistair. It could even work with young Henry, as it does stellar work with children. Mind covers all of these bases. In recent years, MIND has become stretched very thin as the NHS has been unable to cope with the increased demands for mental health treatment. The financial downturn has pushed many formerly healthy adults into depressive illnesses, and charities have mostly taken up the slack the health services have had to let go. As a result, donations are needed now more than ever. 
if any of you have been particularly moved by these storylines on the archers of late, I ask you to sponsor my half marathon. Even five quid will make a difference. You can find my fundraising page at uk.virginmoneygiving.com slash Siegenthaler, which is S-I-E-G-E-N-T-H-A-L-E-R. I've also posted this link in the Dumpty Dum forums and on my Twitter account profile, which is Chia's C-H-E-E-A-H-S. If you want to give in an alternate fashion, just send me a PM on Twitter and we can work something out. I'll call in again next week to let you all know how the race went and give you an update on the fundraising, but for now I'm off to run a quick 10K. Hope you all have a great bank holiday weekend, and thank you so much. Bye now. This week in Ambridge has been hard to listen to. If you've been affected by the Rob and Helen storyline, the domestic violence helpline is 0808 Also in today's Dumpty Dum, we're going to be talking about some of the issues that have been raised this week in the Archers, uh, as are the caller in So if you're likely to be triggered, you might want to give this one a miss. This is Dumbledore on this show about the reality drama that centers on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the manager of Big Road, that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the 40 stone diva, that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our travelling opera company is you. Now, today's Dumbledore Dum was brought to you by XXX Extra Large or Extra Sexy. Who's <laughs> <laughs> um, it brought to us by? Mid Miss City. Because she did one some, some time ago. So we're going to have to dig that one out of the vaults. Okay. Well done, Midmiss City. Uh, Lucy. Yeah. Can you remind our listeners, this is one of the bits of the show where they just, just they don't actually listen to us, do they? No. But we say it every week. Yes. Anyway. It's like the catechism. We just go rattling through it like the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Absolutely. Please remind our listeners how that win the accolade of Dumbly Dumber of the week, if they can be bothered, fussed, irked, or just like motivated to act on this call to action. Yes, if you'd like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or blow it out your aria. Ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Derek is helping out with the lighting at the Lower Loxley Opera, so we've got the room back again. Um, He did get sent home in disgrace last night, though, as he accidentally spot-lit somebody's coloratura. Claire from Scotland via Canada will get that. (laughs) No one else will. (laughs) On this week's show, we have calls of plenty, folks. So take a deep breath. Oh, uh, hang on a second. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I need to interrupt you. Sorry. Mm. Sorry, listeners everywhere. Um, We have, but this week we have put some of your calls together. That is not because um, your calls were not brilliant, people who we've put together with other calls. It's just there's so much to talk about this week for obvious reasons that to save this show being four years long, we've had to do a bit of judicious squishing. So if you've been judiciously squished, we do apologise, but it does make sense when you hear it. This week, we have calls from Blythe Spirit, who wants a word with Radio 4, Dusty Substances, who remembers Farmageddon, Jacqueline Berto, who's ruined her polyge, Yokel Bear, who wants to talk about warnings, Catherine Kavanagh, who's upset, Witherspoon, who's been washed away by a tropical storm, Cheers, who knows why Helen had Henry, Miss Alliance, who has questions for Pat, Catherine Bajan, who's wondering about storylines, Goddess Diva, who's had enough of reality, and Mitt. <laughs> Sounds like she needs to take some mind-altering jokes there. <laughs> and Mid Miss City, who thinks that Pip is a twonk. But first, before 
the calls. We have Lucy B. Freeman's meanderings, her thoughts, her feelings about the last week in Ambridge. This week on The Archers were sponsored by me throwing things at the radio and shouting. Rob did more sledging than the famous five on an alpine Christmas trip at the cricket, then marched off home in a huff with Helen trotting along dutifully behind him. Carol invited Hootie Jill to share her home with her. Now Hootie Jill is being evicted from Brooker's. Jill burst into tears, just for a change, and was consoled by Carol's special blend of herbs and powerful hallucinogenics. Josh wants to tie in his egg enterprise with the multinational business success that is Fair Brethren Goose Inc. Number of geese sold so far? Nil! Toby, for some bewildering reason, keeps kept saying people shouldn't think of him as an ordinary man. No, we don't think of you as an ordinary man, Toby. We think of you as an absolute burke. Pip, in her role as poultry consultant of Fair Brethren Goose Inc., went off to <laughs> Weevils with Toby and she took a picture of a goose with her in case they didn't know what one looked like, presumably. Toby rewarded her with a drink at the bull, at which Pip's relentlessly arch coquetry carried on until we were mercifully released by the arrival of Charlie the Nerd, who wanted to drone on about wheat prices and technology until the entire pub was trying to stand in front of the dartboard hoping to get an arrow through the head. <laughs> Susan got a bit bored and turned her laser-like fury onto Peggy Woolley this time, accusing her of deliberately trying to deprive the village of the delights of a troop of incompetents in Paisley Tabard's manhandling a Fisher-Price <laughs> till. Peggy is much more used, to be honest, to people being almost entirely wedged up her backside in an effort to snaffle some of the woolly wealth, so being yapped at by a furious little woman in Maybelline lip gloss must have given her a shock. Hootie Jill went to Lower Loxley. Acres of landscaped grounds, her own wing, living with her loving daughter and her grandchildren. But she didn't like the curtains, so she burst into tears again. <laughs> there was a bewildering exchange between Harrisment, Jimus and Linda. Linda, did you know Harrison spoke Italian? said Jimus to Linda in Italian. Harrisment barely speaks bloody English, Jimus, we all shouted at the radio. Anyway, Harrisment asked Fallon to move in with him. Fallon needs somewhere to do her upcycling. She needs to get an upcycle rack. We'll get somewhere in the village, Harrisment said glibly. Where, for God's sake, people talk endlessly about how few starter homes there are in Ambridge. Start off small, maybe. Arkwright Hall, perhaps, and move up to Lower Loxley. Harrisment carpet burns, then went on to try and haul Kenton out of his slough of despond by revealing that Harrisment has an estranged brother. I got, mm. I got distracted then. I started wondering whether he was called Rope or First Degree. David then had a lovely moan about the fact that he thinks maybe he should have gone to Handy Hock after all. And then Pip came back from High Wycombe because she didn't like it for crying out loud. Fine. Can we now call them the Boomerang Archers? So what will happen now? Jill will move out into Lower Loxley. The curtains will fall down. She'll move back. I tell you something, if Heather Pet moves into Brooker's, doesn't like it and goes back to Prudder, this will descend into farce. Let us usher all the archers out of Brookfield, entice them with the promise of a microwave chip in the flood bar, then change <laughs> the sodding locks so none of the buggers can get back in again. The end. Felt a palpable sense of anger towards <laughs> the end. It's ridiculous. How can they keep doing this? This, this, this... Uh, you know, this ridiculous, we're going, we're not going, we're going, we're not going. It was bad enough with that sodding road. 
Do you not think? You know, we still haven't um, had the end of the road storyline, though. Oh, God. On a, but, but, you know, if you're going to go, go. If you're going to stay, stay. Stop doing this ridiculous... How many more farewell scenes do we have to have? It only to be sort of completely reversed 10 minutes later where the person comes back again saying, I changed my mind. It's just unbelievably stupid and lazy, lazy, lazy. It's building up tension where there is none, just to give us a nice, convenient, happy ending because so many other storylines are clearly not going to have a happy ending or are just going to meander on because everybody's lost interest, i.e. Alistair. Mm. <sighs> well, there is a thread on dumdydum.com about um, storylines mm. that have just been left hanging. So yeah. that was a neat segue. If I didn't know any better, Lucy, I'd say you've actually been on to dumdydum.com forward slash forums and actually read that thread and thought you'd just have a little bit of a rant. So then you could actually advertise the fact that we have a thread on our <laughs> forum I, that I, says that. I didn't actually see that, but I, I did go on. I did go onto the forum and see the um, the discussion about Rob and okay. Helen. And I thought that was excellent. I thought, what sense? Aren't we lucky to have listeners who aren't bonkers? ego fueled mad people who just go on, you know, like, like the loonies that go onto Facebook and just go mad and insult each other and, and say wildly ridiculous things. And ours are just so much more kind of sensible and calm and, you know, they don't take things personally and they just sort of are nice to each other. We're very lucky. Are you saying that anyone that goes onto Facebook is a loony? No, of course not. But you know, you know exactly what I mean. The people, I... that, the people that drive everyone else off the Facebook Archers pages. Oh, yes. No, yeah. we are somewhat of an oasis of loveliness yes. and sanity. Hoorah for us. We all need a bit of that, which, particularly which at, this week. Yeah, no, we do. And um, on that note, why don't we uh, nip over and uh, answer some calls because this is going to be interesting. It is. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hello, Dumpty Dum, Spirit calling. Um, now, I have to preface my comments by basically saying that as yet I've not heard the episodes for this week, so events might supersede what I'm about to say. But either way, I wanted to respond to the discussion in last week's podcast about the Kenton storyline, which was very moving and very powerful. And it prompted me really to talk about something that's troubled me about the Archers for quite some time, and that's its treatment of mental health issues. Now, we all know that there are characters in the drama who would clearly benefit from some kind of counselling or some kind of psychotherapeutic intervention, Helen being a very typical example of that. If she doesn't need, need help, I don't know who does. But I think that if the writers are going to come up with the Kenton storyline, where you know he's clearly vulnerable, his personality is imploding, he's on a downward spiral into depression... There needs basically to be an appropriate model of treatment for that. And I agree completely with Witherspoon. What needs to happen in the script is that Jolene says, look, love, you know, I, I can see what you're going through. I care about you so much and I want to help you get the help that you need. Let me take you to the doctor and then we'll take it from there. The characters do tend to be very British, you know, as we've already identified. They don't confront each other. Um, they don't call each other on stuff. And this is one particular instance where they really do need to step up to the plate. So writers, editors, please do something about this. Treat it in an appropriate manner. Acknowledge it openly so that people 
perhaps any listener, one listener can benefit from it. And that's all I've got to say. Life spirit out. Right. Obviously, the elephant in the room is the scene with uh, Rob and Helen. It was hugely unpleasant, as everybody knows. Uh, and it was very interesting to see the Twitter reaction to it. And it just made an awful lot of people uh, extremely furious. Um, as we know, the storylines haven't exactly been uh, gilded with a light hand at the minute, have they? My God. Um so Blythe Spirit talks about uh, Kenton and his uh, mental health issues and the fact that in The Archers, mental health issues are clearly, um, there's a lot of them. As she said, there's an awful lot of people who could do with, mind you, but I know a lot of people in life, just generally, in real life, who could do with a hell of a lot of therapy and have never had any and would never dream of having any. Mm. Um, thing is, this is where I, I diverge from the common theme here. I do believe they should have put a trigger warning on. I do believe they should have, uh, when they're talking about Kenton and when, no, not a trigger warning about Kenton. There should have been a trigger warning about uh, Rob, Rob and Helen. And Helen. Um, but it isn't, in terms of the Kenton, the mental health story, and as we know, especially from last week, mental health is, a, is, a, is an issue that's sort of close to my heart. But um, it's not up to the archers to show best practice. It's up to the archers to show it's up to drama to, to reflect life. And there are millions and millions and millions of people who never, ever get the type of help that Kenton needs. And I do hope he gets it because I know he's an imaginary character. But, you know, he's real to us and I don't mm. like to see anybody in that sort of distress. But you can't always have drama that where people behave like adults and do sensible things. People behave like people. And for drama to be drama, it has to reflect that. So mm. I'm not sure that it is their duty to sort of, um, you know, uh, give, um, demonstrate how it should be done. Um, it's great if it triggers conversations. It's great if it helps people with mental illness not feel alone. And if other characters say, if only Kenton would, you know, go and see a therapist or talk to somebody or join Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, that's great. But to have a sort of a fairy tale happy ending, like the ridiculous one we had with I'm a craftsman me, who, you know, all of a sudden spontaneously recover. We had Ed Grundy recovering from a crack addiction in two weeks. You know, it's that's just rubbish. Um, mm. So anyway, that's what I think. And I know everyone will disagree with me, but there we are. Um, you were so long in your answer that I've forgotten where you, where you started, <laughs> let alone the middle. But I remember you at the end, you says people disagree with you. So I'm just going to just have a, a quick ramble myself. Go on, then. Um, I think there's no think about this. Obviously um, us being Brits, we know that we still have, though we are much better, we still have um, a reticence to talk about uh, mental illness. I can think of a drama where somebody has had something upsetting happen to them or they've had uh, some episode of depression or whatever the heck and they've actually gone off to see a therapist. Yeah. If this, if the Ambridge, if the Ambridge, if the Archers was set in Pennsylvania, uh, I think they would have trotted off uh, to a shrink Yeah. and um, it would have been part of the storyline. And what I would say is that it's kind of now beholden because we are much better at talking about these things and 
I think the outpouring of uh, warmth that you received after yes. talking about your father yeah. last week kind of demonstrates it that um, we do actually need, and this isn't an advert for Witherspoon's uh, professional uh, services, <laughs> but we do actually need, we do need Kenton uh, in, as part of his recovery uh, to go and to get professional help. Not that we're going to sit in with him, you know, once a week for for a whole whole episode, but it needs to be referred to, mm. you know, that he goes off to Felpersham or Borcester and um, he sees somebody and for that to take, I don't know, um, a year or so. And I say, again, it's not going to be mentioned all the time, but it mm. needs to be referred mm. to every now and then. But in a so, sense, in a sensible, realistic way, exactly. not a. And then they all woke up, and it was all a dream, or any of that rubbish stuff. That Abs- they, that absolutely, do. because um, he has a long way of putting all of this behind him, mm. and it can't just be sorted out by um, a cheeky, quick uh, family tea. Yeah, you know where um, everybody yes. gets things off their chest, yeah. and then it's all right again. And yeah. Jill does it, you know, after Jill does a little bit of crying and says, you know. Boys, you're breaking my heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, oh, you could be a scriptwriter. That's exactly how you do it. <laughs> do you write EastEnders? It's you, isn't it? They've written the Rob and Helen storyline so well. Mm. And um, let's hope that they give Kenton, um, you know, due um, worth in terms of getting him out of the hole that he feels that he is in, not only financially, but mentally as well. Dusty Substances. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Um, I've just paused while listening to the podcast because my heart has absolutely gone out to Lucy. Um, Not a stranger in my extended family to losing people through suicide and... You know, I just, I, I just can't imagine how it feels for Lucy. But the points she made were spot on. You know, if you if you see any hint of anything, just look after people. But I'm going to go back to what I said last time about Kenton. And what I did actually say was that the only explanation for Kenton's erratic behaviour at the moment would be a major mental health catastrophe and I still I still believe that my problem then and maybe still now is that I can't truly trust the archers to follow that through so often these sorts of storylines bubble up and then pop without being carried to a proper finish I'm thinking back to Farmageddon. I mean, we had the the joy of of the stampede at the Open Farm Day, but also all those um, physical threats to the Archer family. And what happened there, actually, bugger all. It may be that this will be an exception, and Kenton is, you know, as 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 so wonderfully analysed by Witherspoon. Um, I'm talking as if he's a real character. Um, I think it's 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 touched me a little bit. Yeah, if if this is an exception and that Kenton is going towards a major mental implosion or worse, then okay, that's fair enough, and that's that's a strong and impressive storyline. I just like to trust that that is actually what's going to happen because, as I said before, you know there are 
there are examples that the storylines do play fast and loose with established characters. They do behave in ways that just seem to fit in the need for a bit of sensation or a bit of comic relief. And then we go back as if it never happened. And I should be really angry if this is happening to Kenton because it's 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 clearly, you know, listening to Lucy and I'm sure countless other people, it's actually quite an important area to cover. Don't mess about with this, please. Mm. Um, thank you for your call, Dustin. Thank you for your... Uh, kind words and thank you everybody that uh, tweeted me and messaged me and everything after I talked about my fam, my dad anyway, last week. Um, it was very kind of you and it made me very happy and very sad all at once. So thank you. Anyway, she says, Farmageddon, what the hell happened to that storyline? Well, that did get, that was one of the few that did actually get tidied up, Dusty, as far as I recall anyway, no doubt Cosmo will uh, tell me I'm wildly wrong, but it turned out to be a horribin uncle, didn't it? Being paid to frighten the Brookfield people with, um, you know, letting out the, the, the cow at the open day and all that sort yeah. of thing. Mm. I'm temporarily stumped as to, as to why I can't. Oh, it's because he'd seen he was a witness to uh, to something, wasn't he? And, and they were trying to put him yes. off um, uh, testifying. That's it. Yes. Jacqueline Berteau. Just has... before you go yeah, on sorry, to sorry, sorry. Um, Madame Berteau, um, somebody on the forum did actually say um, that, and this has got nothing to do with Farmageddon, um, but it's the, the Floodageddon, uh, that if old um, Daryl had been around, he would have got out his financial problems with one bound after that flood wouldn't he, in terms of uh, fixing up Ambridge. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yep. Yes, because Eddie seems to be quite busy now, doesn't he? Uh, well, everybody is, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's, who's halfway handy. Yeah. Oh, dear. Poor Daryl, yeah. yet again. Yet wrong place, again. wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Daryl make peace. <laughs> anyway. Hi, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jacqueline Berto from Sanguen here. Just had the most irritating listen to the archers i've ever had in for for ages and ages with all that italian at the beginning i'm sorry i don't see the point of all that an odd word here and there yeah but there's that conversation ugh, nearly put me off my porridge um but then at the end i had the i felt it was one of the best closest uh to reality conversations we've heard in quite a long time with harrison talking to kenton that it's hard to lose, it's easy to lose your family, but it's hard, very hard to get them back. I was in tears, my poor porridge, it's gone through ups and downs this week. So I'm in Team Harrison now. I've always sort of had an inkling that I liked him and I liked the way he uh, he handled Fallon and her waveriness in the beginning. But now that has convinced me, what a nice guy. Madame Berto. Yes, she's ruined her porridge, but she is Team Harassment. Uh, she feels that um, his his little chat with 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 Kenton to try and sort of bolster him up. I did think, oh God, is another character coming in? Harrisman's estranged brother, who's going to speak exactly like Harrisman, but at least we'll know that they're in the same family, unlike Charlie and Tom, who are not related and sound exactly the same. Um, they probably just get the same actor, won't they? Maybe maybe Harrison's brother will be slightly will be slightly higher or something like that. 
Anyway, yes, so I'm dreading that. Please don't. Please don't turn up. Harassment's a strange brother. But um, I thought that was quite a, a kind of a, you know, it's not exactly romantic, is it? Would you like to move in with me, bearing in mind you're being evicted from everywhere else and your bedroom's full of furniture? It's not exactly love's young dream, is it? But to be fair, I think, and I've always said this about marriage proposals, is that for the most part, they're not this massive romantic display. No. That when you when you boil it down, moving in with somebody um, is eight parts practical. You know, yeah. you've been, you But it's the moving in, isn't it? Moving in is not a proposal of marriage. But then it's very hard to then inject the, the romance into the proposal of marriage when you've been living with someone's stinky socks for the last, you know, two years. No, but I think it's, it's the same thing. I think within any kind of drama... When somebody uh, says, will you marry me? You know, go down on one knee and it's such a surprise, but they've bought a ring. Now, and I know, but just take that trope, you know, just for as an mm. example. You don't go out and spend two months salary on something unless you damn well know that person's going to say yes. <laughs> right? It'd be awfully embarrassing to have to take it back, wouldn't it? Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so you've got a pretty good idea yeah. that they're going to say yes and only an idiot you know would go and do that without knowing yeah that um, that woman is going to say yes uh, now moving in with somebody isn't quite the same but it's it's a case of practicality mm. it's a case of well uh, we've been knocking around together for about six months now uh, five days out of the week I'm round at yours mm. um, I've got three quarters of my wardrobe there you yeah. rely upon me to feed the cat when you've got a nip out to work early etc 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 it is practical so yeah. I don't think that it's fair to ba- to blame Paul Harrison and say it's hardly love's young dream because that's just the way that it kind of happens. Okay, minus the flood, admittedly. And anyway, Fallon hates big romantic things, doesn't she? So she's much more, I guess, pragmatism would appeal to her more than overblown sentimentality. You know, it's a case of, it's practical, and then it's a case of cuddles on tap. And... And I just thought that's actually quite quite realistic, really. Yeah, it is realistic, but it's a bit, I don't know. Maybe I'm becoming romantic in my old age. God, I hope not ruin everything mm. and now we have calls from yokel bear catherine kavanagh and mave who all want to talk about the robin helen situation hello dunstam it's yokel bear here um thursday and friday's episodes were really difficult listening and i know there's been a bit of talk on the twitters and and elsewhere whether there should have been some kind of warning beforehand or a helpline afterwards, and I'm of the opinion that I think there should have been, I think the BBC should have put one on. The whole thing with Rob and Helen, it was really, really difficult listening, and from what seemed to be hinted to me, I think Rob drugged Helen. That whole that he's up and out and collected Henry and everything the next day, and she's just seemed to be more than a hangover... And I'm wondering whether he drugged that wine. And I feel really uncomfortable about that. I understand that this issue of the gaslighting and the kind of relationship and the kind of person that Rob is is really important to get out there. 
but I think it needs to end soon. Um, because it's very difficult to put it into words, but my gut feeling is, is that, yes, it's important to get the issue out there, but I think that the archers also needs to think about the impact it's going to have on people listening as well. And that's not in any way saying anything should be swept under the carpet. This is a really important issue, and I'm glad that they've raised this issue, but I think that there's a balance between making the audience aware and understanding the issue and making people that might have gone through this feel really uncomfortable. I, d- I don't know. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Royfield. It's Catherine Cav here. A long time no speak, but I always listen. I wanted to ring in this week because I feel so angry at the way the storyline has become so dark and so evil and so twisted, with no warning, no advisory, nothing at all from the BBC to suggest that this is 7pm in the evening and perhaps people are listening who shouldn't be, small children, young adults, whomever. I haven't been in that situation. I have, however, been in a situation where for four and a half years I allowed someone else emotionally abuse me the way that guy is doing to Helen. It almost cost me my sanity. It certainly cost me a couple of very valuable interpersonal relationships. And I'm just thankful my family are still speaking to me. Um, It's very triggering. And I'm just really annoyed about it. So um, I love the podcast. Um, I send you both huge hugs. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for making me laugh so much. And I will speak to you all soon. Lots of love. It's Alison here, tweeting as she is. I'm getting caught up again on Dumpty Dums. We moved house about a month ago and everything has just been a mess. And I finally heard my last one and I had to call in uh, in response to Lucy's excellent observations about why Helen is the way she is and why she enrages us so much. And Lucy very cleverly, I thought, um, saw that it was totally about her inability to accept that she can't be a perfect person and be all things for all people. I totally agree with that, but I also want to flag up that I think it goes hand in hand with a massive fear of abandonment. Does this have something to do with the death of her brother when she was really young? Who knows? But clearly to me, she behaves like somebody who is so afraid that everyone in her life will leave her behind, that she contorts herself. She bends over backwards to fill the mold and be the person that she thinks they want to see. And it hasn't worked for her. It hasn't worked. Greg, of course, um, lost his life very sadly. He took his own life. Um, Then apparently there was a journalist who she dated briefly after that, and that ended in tears. It's sort of not surprising if if you take this theory as read that she would decide to have Henry because to have a baby by donor means that you are creating a child who only knows you as a parent, and they, they can't ever turn against you and side with the other one. So she's effectively, in having Henry, made for herself a person who will love her forever no matter what she does. And then of course Rob shows up and everything he says is music to her ears because his manipulative sort of chauvinistic way of conducting a relationship is all, it's all right now because I'm here and I'm going to keep you safe and you're going to be happy now and everything's going to be fine. And she takes that as the sign she's been waiting for her whole life. But I see in Helen just a massive fear that if she can't be good enough and if she can't conform to the things that the people around her want, 
she will be left all alone. Program's a little hard to listen to recently, isn't it? Um, I made my husband sit next to me during the omnibus so I could hold his hand, and he doesn't even listen to the archers. And when Rob said that thing about how, oh, I told you to stop drinking, but would you listen? He went, <gasps> so we might make a convert out of him yet. Speak to y'all soon. Uh, and yes, updates on the race to come. Bye for now. Yokel Bear. Yes, I think I was trying. I, I went um, d- uh, on a walk with the dog yesterday with Paul Douglas, who is an, you've met him, haven't you? Who is an avid Dumpty Dummer and avid Archers person. And he found it very, oh, yeah. very hard to listen to. And he said he was listening to it at two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And he said it was very, very disconcerting to hear something. It's, keep, it's funny that we keep sort of saying that graphic. It's not graphic, obviously, because it's basically scant words and we're filling in the gaps. It's, it's the, it was the minimalism of the writing and the beauty of the acting that made it so, mm. so powerful. I would not fancy having to explain to my children what had just happened in that scene at two o'clock in the afternoon and even at seven o'clock in the afternoon they are perfectly you know you can't say oh that's after the watershed or whatever seven o'clock in the in the evening is a perfectly reasonable time for children to be listening to the radio with their parents Mm. driving back from somewhere or something like that but there's there's a couple of things here or maybe even three number one is as you said it was the great writing and and acting and the fact that it was pretty minimal so much so that you had to really in lots of it you had to make your mind up as to what was yeah. going on well people were tweeting weren't they hey what was what happened what happened thinking they'd missed something but and with that in mind i think it was um, i'm not 100 percent sure about this so so don't hold me to this anybody um I think it was probably just about safe to play when it went out because mm. it's almost like a Pixar movie. It's a case of, you know, when you go to those Pixar movies uh, w- with your kids, you, the parent, you understand things yeah. that the kid doesn't and vice versa. And I think that was just about minimal enough that mm. kids would have understood. Yeah. But then again, and then, then my third point is that without listening back to it, and I will do, so I only listened to it once in real time when it went out. I think that everything in that episode, and again, don't hold on to this, folks, but I think everything in that episode, if they'd have been in what we as listeners would, would deem to be a loving, caring relationship, you go, oh, he's, he's made for a meal. Oh, they're, they're having a bit of a special mm. puddle. Oh, blah, 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 blah. It's because we know yeah. all the things that Helen isn't privy to that it, it was sinister. Even well, Dad's, I don't know well, about that so much well, because you could hear the anxiety in her voice already saying she's kind of half trying to sort of conciliate him. She kept saying no to more wine. You could hear the wine hurtling in the glass like it was a bloody oil tanker. Um, you, you know, he was clearly trying to get her plastered what he said, the bit that actually made me feel physically sick wasn't the oh, Rob bit. It was the when he made her and this, it did make me cry and it genuinely made me feel sick. And I've been feeling physically disturbed ever since when he didn't make her. But it was after she he said to her, so how come you were feeling so 
unloved. And she gave him chapter and verse on how defining her total lack of self-esteem is. And then he thought, right, I have had evidence now. You have given me evidence that you are you are somebody with no self-respect. So that to me is a green light and off I go. And that's when he did it. And it was as if in his mind, she had what, just do, handed what, him her go ahead, yeah. do what you like. Okay. Again, I really should have listened to that show again, considering we have so many calls about it um, before podcasting. But I've got the detritus of a party downstairs um, sleeping and um, I didn't quite have the time because we recorded this at like half nine on a, on a Monday morning. So, um, and I'll just cut that bollocks bit out. Anyway, my, my point is this, is that, um, oh God, now my brain's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Carnival weekend. <laughs> Oh God, I. What's the point I was trying to make, Lucy? Oh God. You could listen to that show, I believe, and say that. And we all know it's not the case. For anybody misinterprets uh, me and all of this, that um, she put out her vulnerability but also the fact that she totally trusts this man mm. by the rather, I would say, I don't want to say pathetic, but I just can't think of a better way of saying it by, do you love me more than you love Jess? Mm. No, it is pathetic. In the true the true meaning of the word, it's pathos. It is, it is pathetic. And here is somebody who, as, as we've said, you know, week in, week out, is a fascinating character and you just nailed last week. And you could, I'm sure in Rob's head, how that played was, um, my wife trusts me completely and I just want to protect her. Mm. We mm. know that he is a sociopath mm. and he's damaged, but he, in his world, wants to protect her. He does have, like it or or not, he has um, some semblance of a relationship with Henry. This is his family, a relationship in terms of there, there, there is love. Yes, we can see that he kind of loses it every now and then, or he's on the verge of losing it, but he loses it with just about everybody, you know. But he is there to protect his Helen, his family, and he he's found that place, that beautiful place. And again, it's because of the whole backstory with his short temper, his anger, his lies, his deceit, well, it's the same thing as lies, his just, you know, his lack of real empathy and his controlling manipulativeness that we read into that, that whole scene much more. Because I'm sure your average teenager would listen to that not even as your average teenager, but your average person who just listens to that and say, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. Uh, obviously, at the end, there was the, oh, Rob. Mm. And we don't know what that was about. You know, we have our suspicions, mm. you know, and there's enough of those going around on the Twitters as to whether it was, you know, something slipped in. in, in mm. Well, anyway, let, yeah. let's move on. But, you know, 
And I just think we need to commend the writers um, with the detail of how this is all mm. being played out, which is, again, the reason why just to link this up to the previous call, that we need... Um, I hope that what they're not doing here is putting all of their writerly eggs in one basket, just with this Robin Helen storyline. Mm. Because I thought somewhat short-changed with the way that Pip just seemed to have yeah. gone to High Wickham and then just yeah. came back. Ta-da! Here I am. Yeah. You know, she's had half of a conversation with, yeah. with was it Toby? Yeah. And Toby says, oh, you'll be you're better off stopping here. And, oh, your brother's a mm. very good entrepreneur. He's got some eggs. Mm. Do you want to miss out on that? <laughs> now, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's a bright you know, girl, isn't she? She's not... We we all knew she was never going to go. Yeah. But we all suspected she was going to go yeah. because of her granny and, and the yeah. fact that, you know, her mother's going to be out, out of commission at the farm. But for her not to go because, oh, they they changed... Uh, the I wouldn't go to Brazil for another year or, mm. or whatever. And... She's she just got she just got her degree. Mm. She has um, applied for one job, got it. Proper golden girl, right? She's about to see the world. She's off to High Wycombe, um, and she was back in a matter of hours. Mm. Yeah. Now you know that. Where yeah, was the detail exactly. in that? Yeah. Where yeah. where was that? Where was the anguish? Yeah. You know, not even. And then we have all this in-depth, beautiful, layered, complex yeah. uh, character exposition through the writing mm. of Robin Helen. Mm. And it everyone feels... else is just like skipping along in the background. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yokel Bear mentioned that he thought that he, uh, Rob had drugged her, particularly by Helen's reaction the next morning. But I think alcohol and self-loathing in, is enough to, to produce that kind of reaction and the terror in her voice when she was sort of going, Rob? Rob, are you there? When before she answered the phone. Mm. The thing is with Helen, all the way through this, I swear to God, she has she knows what Rob is like. She's known, but she cannot let herself have failed and made a wrong choice again. I think maybe in the beginning it was fine. I don't know when the realization hit, but the fact that he she didn't really believe him about Jess. Uh, the fact that she's lying to him now, the fact that she kept shielding people from him. Oh, no, I'll tell my mum. I'll tell whatever, you know. Mm. It, there's a huge part of her that never, ever, ever believed him. But she wants to so badly. That is overwriting all her sense. Mm. And now she is having to face the truth. And she suddenly realised she now it's it's gone too far. She's that she can't extricate herself um, easily. You know, it's, oh, God, it's so horrible. Actually, you know what you were saying about you could listen to this and not realise? See, um, Ale- um, uh, Cheers. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm muddling everyone. I've got a huge list of names here and I'm muddling everyone up. Cheers said that she... Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. He was listening to it with her husband because she found it quite upsetting and she sort of wanted somebody there to hang on to when it was horrible. Mm. And he doesn't listen to the archers at all. And when he heard Rob saying in the next episode, oh, I couldn't keep you off the, the booze, he went, mm. oh, because even he thought that's not right. So I think maybe we're being, you're, you, you anyway, <laughs> maybe there is the, the 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 sinister no, there i think there is an innate sense in right thinking people that rob is a wrong un oh y- yes which but does that, then take us on that's to that's because he, he absolutely he absolutely lied it he, was it he, was he's, which... he's been exposed in in that instance as being a liar and manipulative because the next day he said i couldn't keep yeah. you away from the booze when he was obviously encouraging her yeah. massively yeah you know but again i think that still slightly validates what i'm saying is that the the, the way it's been written was that you could just about just about you know and i know i classically try and sit on the fence with most things here and you know see this from, from both sides but you could just about conceive as why a casual listener to just that episode would say oh you know, yeah, it is a bit peculiar, but mm. Helen's peculiar with this nonsense about do you love me more than you love Jess? You know, how old is she? 16. Mm. But yes, when you have the other bits of evidence, i.e. Mm. the next, you know, the next day mm. and you listen to him saying, well, actually, um, I, I tried to keep you off the booze. And mm. Helen knew he was lying. Mm. You know, then you go, this man is completely not to be a wrong one. Yeah. Um, Chi has also mentioned the fact that Helen had had Henry to create a person who would love her forever. Now, mm. whatever happens with Rob and Henry and Helen, that is the single most damaging reason to have a child ever. It is you. There is no way out when you do that to a child. There is no way out. It's a horrendous thing to do. <sighs> anyway. Yes, Ms. Alliance and Catherine Bajant want to know 
where is Pat in all this? So now we'll play their calls. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Um, unsurprisingly, it's not going to be my usual call this week, pointing out daft, silly things in the storylines and um, making silly jokes about food, uh, because as everybody has already, I'm sure, been discussing, it's been a bit of a harrowing week listening to the archers this week. I do think, on the whole, the week's been very well written, um, but I'm not sure about the way the actual cliffhanger with the presumed rape was handled. I think partly my concern about it was that um, it was left quite open initially as to what actually had happened. Um, I'm imagining this was partly due to BBC compliance issues in telling a story like that um, in The Archers. But for me, this made it even more problematic and disturbing um, than perhaps knowing what Rob had actually done. So sort of leaving it hanging in the ether for 24 hours. Um, I mean, I think most of us guessed what happened, but it wasn't completely conclusive. And it was left to the opening scene of Friday for us to, to get exactly what had happened, which I do think was very well played. I mean, the silence and the phone ringing and then Helen trying to control herself as she answered the phone was really chilling and harrowing to listen to. And from a dramatic point of view, I think it was very effective in confirming what had happened. Whether or not that's what we as listeners want to listen to is another matter, I think. Um, poor Helen, I just... It felt awful listening to it and hearing Rob's justification was sickening, but I think actually a very accurate portrayal of someone in his situation. Um, I think Pat bothered me a bit as well. I think I understand that the story was that she was trying to find the good in Rob over the week for Helen's sake now they're married, but I wasn't quite convinced by the ending. I think she's long been anti-Rob and the viciousness of his verbal attack on Jim, um, even despite Rob defending Pat's corner, would have contributed to the return of her sort of previous disinclination towards him. Um, and I think given Helen's troubles in the past, she would perhaps have picked up on Helen's demeanour at the opera. So her conversion in the cliffhanger, which to me just did not really ring true because it was so total and complete and I didn't feel it was earned. Thanks very much. Bye. Hello Dumpty Dum, it's Miss Alliance here, calling in after being severely traumatised by the Archer's omnibus this week. I don't understand Pat's reaction to the titchy knob. Mesmerising as he is, I can't see how she'd fail to perceive any, the, the real distress that her daughter is in, bearing in mind that she's seen her through all her problems with Greg and the anorexia and everything else. Wouldn't you even just say, are you okay, darling? You seem a little bit quiet or something. It just doesn't seem real to me. What do you think? It was all part of Rob's manipulation, obviously, that, that he started to be extra, extra nice to Pat and saying, actually, I'm not the... I'm not the evil capitalist that you thought I was. Look at me. I'm, I, mm. I, I just got sort of bullied into it. And, and really, my heart is with the land or whatever cobblers it was coming out with. I can't believe she fell for it. I really can't. As Miss Alliance, what do I think? Miss Alliance said something in her call about it. And somebody on Twitter the other day and thought, and I sort of 
forgive me for not remembering who it was, but they said, considering uh, Pat has spent the last five years panicking every time Helen refuses a biscuit, surely she would notice the fact that her daughter is extremely subdued, is not at all with it, looks extremely unhappy and emotional and wouldn't just go bleating on about what a wonderful man her husband is. She would mm. say, are you okay? You know what, Liz? Again, and I, I, I deliberately don't do this just to... Well, look, I suppose my role on this show is to... Um, devil's advocate. There you go. Play devil's advocate and whatever, and to be your, your whipping boy or whatever the heck the expression is. But There's all of that. But then, you know, my, my instinctive position forces me to think that in the real world, there's a Pat is struggling with a couple of things here. Number one, she has a daughter who has had her bouts of um, um, problems with with food mm. and with obvious loneliness. And as far as Pat's concerned, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but for the last two years. She's had um, a partner who, from Pat's perspective, she has been able to rely upon. And I think it cannot be overstated the the way that Rob looks after Henry from the outside in terms of he picks him up from school, takes him, you know, goes off mm. to the park with him on his own. Now, come on, in, in, in our own in our own experience, looking at family members who have new partners and especially fathers that take on um, another man's child, it's one of the, the kind of worries that you have, you know, that will they accept that child as their own. And mm. from the outside, he absolutely has. So mm. that is going to allow Rob a whole load of yeah. latitude yeah. In, in Pat's eyes. Yeah. Yes, that's very true. You know, is, is Kerry Davis about to walk in, by the way? <laughs> he, is, he is wandering around <laughs> talking about Kerry. He did have a rather fetching kind of alpine outfit um, yesterday. Long um, canvas shorts, little jaunty hat. Um, uh, kind of. Uh, he looked really like he should be yodeling. It was uh, and a check shirt and uh, breeches the whole lot. But anyway, moving swiftly on. I so, thought he was going to be wearing feathers and nipple pasties. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to keep on saying we have to commend the writers with this, but you have to because it's just too simplistic to say, you know, where is Pat in all of this? She is Helen's mother, yes, but also Helen is a mother herself and she is a grown up, however damaged you might think that she is. And Pat has to um, trust that Helen has made the right choice with the partner that she has chosen based on, and I would say based on the evidence that Pat has seen, Helen has made a decent choice for no other reason than the outward appearance of Rob's relationship with Henry. Mm. You know, because if that was my daughter, that would be my overwhelming concern. Mm. How is he going to treat my, yeah. my grandson? Yeah. And you've let certain things not go completely, but you go, oh, well, you know, so this mm. thing about him just leaving, leaving his job, mm. you know, you go, well, that's a bit peculiar. Mm. 
Like she has got worse. I mean, she's saying, so did you not know then? She's saying to Helen. Mm. So did it come as a surprise to you as well? And Helen's going, oh, mum. Yes. Let's I not knew dwell on that. I was unhappy. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Witherspoon's Corner. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, and all dumpty dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon here, without Angus Haggis. Handsome husband and he are back in New York while I visit my mom in Florida. And it looks like I may have to cut the trip short, as a tropical storm is heading this way. I hate Florida. But my mom is celebrating her 85th birthday. Fortunately, she's in good overall health, but does complain of knee pain from arthritis and is unable to walk long distances. Although she has a group of friends, she's also a bit lonely and does miss my father, who passed away five years ago at the age of 90. Now, how do I tie this in to our favorite show? Last week, Lucy noted that while The Archers was doing an excellent job of exploring the lives of older people, it was all too depressing. While I agree with her on the first point, I do think the octo and nonagenarians of Ambridge are in remarkably good health. Peggy is nearly 91, Jill nearly 85, and Caroline nearly 84, Joe a spry nearly 94, Carol and Jim in their 80s, all with nary a physical complaint. It's great to see that they lead active lives, well maybe except Caroline, but realistically they could have an occasional ache and pain. Maybe it's the water of the River Am. Someone should take a sample. Let's go from the lighthearted to the serious. First, I did find the end of Thursday's and in follow-up Friday's episodes a bit confusing, and I don't think I was the only one who did. Regarding Rob, he is becoming increasingly one-dimensional, or at least very predictable in his evil doings. We just don't know enough about his backstory to understand what makes him tick, which is frustrating. I don't think the scriptwriters were originally planning to, ve to develop his character into such a snidely whiplash but they saw how we, the listeners, were reacting to him and decided to take him down a one-way path and eventually, I still believe, over a cliff. Could Pat, normally so sharp, have been so easily taken in by him this week and not even seen that her daughter was out of sorts on Friday? I think not. What I would add to Lucy's sharp analysis of Helen last week is that we should also take a look at Pat to understand Helen's neuroses. Helen grew up seeing her mother as someone who was, relatively speaking, able to achieve it all. A satisfying career, a happy marriage, and raising a family. So Helen is certainly striving to at least match and then exceed what her mother has achieved. But what about this desperate quest for a knight in shining armor? Often we see this when one's own father has absented himself at an early point in the child's life or was woefully inadequate. This doesn't really fit the description of Tony. Also, Helen's expression of extremely low self-esteem on Thursday is quite different than the woman I first met a few years ago when she was standing up to her father and deciding to have a child on her own. Now that she appears to have been date-raped, literally, and questioned, did Rob add a little something to the wine he was serving? How will her acute stress reaction play out and when will others around her wake up to what has happened? Will she confide in someone? Somehow I think that Tom will play a key role in this. One more thing. Pip has decided to stay. What a surprise. Not. This means more of Toby. Ugh. 
So till next week, it's Witherspoon signing off, missing my dog and hoping to stay dry and to get home ahead of the storm. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Witherspoon, I think you meant Carol. Uh, I think you meant Christine, not Caroline. Auntie mm. Cardboard is who you're talking about. Because I don't think Caroline Sterling would be overly overjoyed to hear you talking about her, that she's 85. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And for once, I disagree with Witherspoon. I'm sure he won't care, but I feel quite anxious about it. Um, Tony did absent himself for Helen's childhood. He did what a lot of cowardly men do, which is let his wife take all the anger for the entire couple. And it was always Pat that would uh, get cross with Sharon, Pat that would get cross with the children, Pat that would get cross with anybody that wound her up because she used to be a lot more hot-tempered than she is now. Um, And Tony was in the background kind of doing, being a bit like Neil, you know, lovely old Tony married to that that Harridan. Um, Poor old Tony, isn't he nice? And he manages to manage to keep out of all the... The drama that which is which is fine if that's your choice, but when your mother is being hard on you, you want your father to stand up for you, not to just cover his own ass, which as far as I can remember is pretty much what Tony did, so that would make sense in terms of um Helen having an absent father and therefore needing to um fill in that gap with uh quite authoritative control figures and also obviously losing John she's always felt like. Well, as Tom has, feeling um, inadequate and second best. Um, so, yes, so I'm disagreeing with you with a spoon, with or without Basil and Angus Haggis this time. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Goddess Diva here, and this week I'm definitely not singing. I don't know what to say, really. I am wish I could say I was shocked at Rob's actions with Helen. I wish I could say I didn't see it coming. I wish I didn't have to say I told you so to anybody who said that Rob was all right, really. I wish I could say I wasn't worried for Henry's safety now. And I wish I could say that my heart didn't break for Helen here in in an obvious post-traumatic situation. I also wish I didn't have to say, oh, Pat, you were her last hope. I just hope, beyond hope, that Ian notices and talks some sense into her or Kirsty comes and talks some sense into her. I'm actually really, really bloody traumatised and triggered by the whole Rob Helen thing, especially at the moment with, well, let's name it, it's marital rape, isn't it? And it would seem under the influence of drugs because she didn't have that much wine. There was something more than the wine. He he put something in it. I think he, I think he roofied her. And, yeah, it's just... I don't... I don't it's not often I'm speechless and, yeah, I know, I've got this whole big reputation of Tichinov must die. And, yes, he must, and he must die slowly and painfully. But it's all a bit real. Goddess Diva, who is clearly, she's all about die, Tichinov die, and never more so than this week. <laughs> um, but as she said, it's all, it's all got a bit too real. And uh, it has. And I don't think... Just having people poncing about speaking Italian is a good enough foil for bankruptcy, depression, alcoholism and domestic violence that we are wading through at the moment. 
where has the lighter touch gone? I know we can't wave a magic wand because it takes, three, you know, it's all written three months beforehand. But oh, bloody hell, they could have thought this out slightly better. It's kind of like they thought, oh, God, yes, it has all got a bit, you know, world at war, hasn't it? It's all gone a bit Tolstoy. What can we what can we what can we do to like? No, just just they'll be fine. The audience will be fine. Just give them just give them some funny foreign language that will do to sort of as a sop. And it really won't. It's not, it's not, it's not good enough. I don't think. Sorry, they're all going to get cross me again now, but don't care. Um, and Miss Mid-City. Pip is a twonk. I do agree with that. I think she is exhibiting a lot of, is it Generation Y? Is she Generation Y? I never understand this Generation X, Generation Y business. Me either. But, but young people, anyway. It's um, my my friend is a uh, TV director mm-hmm. and he started off. Uh, he was my best friend, Andrew, who I was at school with. When he started, he was a runner and he was a runner for people like Dale Winton and um, ooh, various other light entertainment celebrities who I will not mention because he had a hideous time. He was the lowest of the low. He was treated incredibly badly. He frequently wasn't paid. You know, it, he was living in terrible flats, but he and he worked all the time because he knew it was a competitive industry and he wanted to get on. He now has runners working for him who say, can I have a chat with you? And he says, yes. And they say, can I have an assistant producer credit? And he says, why? And they said, well, because that's what I want. That's what I want that. It will look good on my CV. And he says, but you're not an assistant producer. And they argue with him. And he kind of says there's a sense of, I don't want to do this kind of in my day, but there's this huge sense of entitlement now that seems to run through that generation. And Pip's like going, oh, well, if I'm not going to Brazil for a whole year, sod it then, I'll come home. You know, they want to be important. They cannot cope with the idea of being a nobody and working your way up. They just want instantly to be a something, have have sort of uh, just be given respect rather than earning it. Does that make sense? Or do I sound like a very old age pensioner, grumpy type person? Not that all old age pensioners are grumpy, but you know what I mean? It does make sense. And I mean, massively inclined to agree with you. But dare I say it, you know, we get over a certain age and instinctively that's what you think about people who are younger than you. And especially oh, people no. who are just entering, uh, the, you know, the career ladder. Yeah. I mean, I don't want anyone to be up a chimney or down a mine or anything if they don't want to be. Of course not. But I do think... You need to do your time. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what makes you good. I agree. But we sound like old farts. We do. <laughs> you you can't take this position without sounding like an old fart. I'm getting to the mm. age now where I'm, I'm I'm embracing my old fartness, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all ye caller in Really? It is. Good good heavens. Oh, it's because we're playing a few back to back. Okay, yes. cool. Right, now. Um... Hang on, let me just check the emails. I'm not sure we had any this week. Dum dee dum. Oh yes, we did. I'm so sorry. We had a 
email from our American trucker friend. Not American, European trucker friend. Do you remember the lady that was emailing? Yes. Yeah. Um, and she's called it your European trucker checking in. She's called Emma Freeman. Excellent surname. Um, she heard the episode when I was enthusing about being a, a trucker. Um, mm. well about her being a trucker? I'd be a terrible trucker. Um, and, uh, she said, uh, the enthusiasm on the podcast perked her up. She was driving through Germany at the time, uh, mm. through the night. Um, and she has sent us a picture of her lorry, which is huge. And her husband had washed it for her, especially um, for the uh, 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 for the photograph. Um, and uh, she says that we've been interfering with the scripts because the innuendo level on the Archer scripts now is now through the roof. So she thinks it's um it's all, uh, it's, down, it's all down to us. Um, and she's going to be buying a T-shirt soon. And I'm going to post the picture of lovely Emma on Twitter where I don't think she'll see it because I don't think she's on Twitter. But anyway, we are very excited, Emma. And I know you're five weeks behind and God knows where you'll be when you hear this. But I just love the idea of you trundling around Europe in that gigantic vehicle. Listening to us is very exciting. Anyway, that's it. It is. Um, Did I ever tell you that I studied German three years at school? Did you? Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, you did not. Guess what? I, guess what is the sum total of three years of comprehensive education learning German? It's going to be the ability to say something like "my dinghy has sprung a leak," isn't it? What no, is it? I can count to a hundred. Right. To say I was the world's worst German <laughs> is so putting it mildly. <laughs> it, the, the it's not a very you language. It's too formulaic. Oh, just it's too rigid. Em- Everything about that guttural, you know, <laughs> Spanish. I can language. see you doing Spanish. I can well, see you. Know, you I've yeah. had much more success with Italian, and even yeah. that, I'm still incredibly poor at. But like German, yeah. And the thing was, I launched into <laughs> learning German so wanting to master it because I love German history, uh, and I don't just mean uh, all the, you know, all the, the Nazis on yeah. this, you know. Uh, 19th century German uh, unification, the Holy Roman Empire, everything. I was I was there. That first lesson, I was like, right, let's bring it on. We're going to nail this German thing. Three of the most horrible, painful years of my life, twice a week doing that language. And just uh, I couldn't drop it fast enough when my options came around. But anyway. I love Germany. Just well, I learned German and then went mm. to Switzerland where they speak Swiss German, which is the equivalent of learning how to speak Gaelic and then, <laughs> and then coming to London and wondering why no one understands what the bloody hell you're saying. It was a totally, I was just, compl- I just silent for about five weeks trying to figure out what the hell anyone was talking about. Mm. And that is just all a neat segue, folks, just to say, if you haven't, um, started to listen and download the great podcast the history of english you really should you know and i know you just listen to me blather on each week lucy you don't do a a thing that i ask you to but (laughs) please listen to that podcast you being such um uh, a a brilliant linguist who can speak half a dozen languages no this is a myth this is a myth oh shush and it really Italian, is. French, German, no, Spanish. No, I can understand them. I can't launch into them and blah, 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 you know. That's not true. You understood all of Sandwich's last podcast. You understood 
all the little backwards and forwards and the arches this week. You know, a whole load of people, that's going to be over their heads. You you get it. Anyway. Well, that's what Miss Mid-City said. Cultural elitism. Sorry. It absolutely was. Hi, it's Miss Mid-City here. And I'm annoyed about all of the speaking in Italian business. I'm annoyed because it's clear that Jim can speak and he pronounces his Italian very well. And Alinda apparently cannot. It's not a case of him speaking classical Italian and her speaking in the vernacular. No, he simply speaks Italian grammatically correctly and with a good accent, like what you're supposed to. And Linda hasn't learned how to conjugate her verbs and doesn't pronounce it very well. And anyway, it's a bit rude, in my opinion. It kind of smacks of some cultural elitism and snobbery and it's totally unnecessary. And I don't know why they're doing it. It's a little bit stupid. And it strikes me that we never heard Usha and her auntie Satya speaking Hindi or Punjabi or Urdu or whatever. And no one else needs to go around showing off in a foreign language like Cantonese or Dutch or German or even French, maybe because they can't. But you don't need to do it. I've had enough of it. Can you stop it now, please? It's presupposing a level yeah. of, um, of understanding uh, which easily i would say 70 percent of people actually didn't have mm. and it doesn't matter how light and how they're trying to dumb it down it actually was cultural elitism yeah but anyway um I'm, i don't want to knock radio for but um Especially kevin today. Stroud, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> kevin Stroud, the history of english please people i know i think um, paul douglas is listening to it he loves it and people you know we've People do actually tweet and say, oh, my God, it's amazing. Thank you. Because it absolutely yeah. is. He does such an amazing job explaining where we get our letters from. It's from the Phoenicians or certain uh, key words within the English language. Invariably, they are uh, of, of a Germanic root. But then with the, you know, with the, the French verbs that come in, oh, it's just absolutely brilliant and done in a way which doesn't patronise, uh, but, you know, also still has um, that level of being able to inform. It's just it's absolutely brilliant to so go listen to it. And um, in matter of fact, Lucy, instead of having your little uh, alcoholic uh, liquid break, go download the podcast and we'll resume the, uh, the, the end of this show um, afterwards. Okay. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Fancy getting your mouth around something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on. Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Good day, everyone. It's Millie Bell here. I'm not even going to touch the uh, Rob and Helen issue because I'm pretty sure that Royfield and Lucy will cover that and certainly that did dominate Facebook this week. So I think I will instead move to, move to some other things. One of the things that, I, that amused me this week was Philip Hales on the Archers Appreciation Group. He said, when you go onto the Archers website, you are confronted with a map of Borsetshire. However, whoever compiled this seemingly is unaware of how the road naming system began in the UK in 1913. 
Roads A1, A2, A6 radiate out of London with the A7, A8 and A9 in Scotland. Subsidiary roads leading off these arterial roads attract further digits, e.g. A11 off the A1, the A110 leading off the A11 and so forth. So it seems quite unusual to see that the road between Falkirkshire and Borchester is the A9110, which should be somewhere in Scotland, not in the outskirts of Birmingham. Under the zoning system, the roads portrayed should be A4s and A5s, certainly not A1s, as this would indicate their geographical position as being somewhere along the eastern side of England. Those people who know and love me know I do love a good anorak, and I thought that was just brilliant anoraking. So well done. Uh, the other thing that came to my attention was from the uh, the Archer's uh, web page, not the Facebook page, but the web page, which was that uh, they pointed out that Rob had some choice words for Charlie this week as he walked out of his job at Barrow Farm, and Archer's listeners has some even choicer ones for him. Um, someone said, I hope he doesn't get a job at McDonald's. If anyone is capable of gobbing in the coleslaw, it's him. That was Richard Gilbert. Um, with all the charm of a gr- cheese grater in your underpants. Uh, a good match for uh, Hazel Woolley was another one. They imagine the axis of evil that could be formed with the union of Titchener and Woolley. Emily Thomas said, imagine if Rob and Hazel got together, their shagging would open the gates of hell itself. Inferior to a turkey baster, Henry is not your son, says Archer's listener. His father is a respectable turkey baster, not a psycho like you. Uh, Vincent Murphy on Twitter said, oh Rob, always as slippery as a small figure slathered eel. And Becky Black said, Rob is so low he could walk under a dachshund wearing a top hat. And Becky Black said, uh, sorry, and then Simon Hitchcock uh, replied with, lower than a boa constrictor scrotum. Uh, So uh, it would seem that he's not universally loved, which we knew. Bob Robertson uh, said, dear scriptwriters, this was in the Ambridge Addicts, as much as I admire your wonderful writing and the characters you cleverly create for us to enjoy, I would like you to resolve the cruel situation you have scripted between Helen and Rob before it becomes rather too abusive. It's quite a long post and I won't read it all out, but actually that was very uh, popular all over Facebook. Many people are not happy with the storyline and are actually finding it quite chilling. But as I said, I will leave uh, Royfield and Lucy to talk more about that and hopefully our resident psychologist, psychiatrist, will... uh, speak on that too so very lively week uh, on facebook uh, let's keep it up because um it's great to interact with you all and uh certainly the last couple of weeks whether we like it or love it is uh, creating a lot of talk on facebook so hopefully i will see you soon on facebook hooroo thank you millie bell i love a bit of millie you know hmm. and just to say um yes our facebook group is just just ignited and it's lovely to see all 700 and odd of you uh, chatting away and um it's all fab now but anyway loose it's yeah. time for you to give us your hashtag the archers tweets of the last septimana pie and a pint said he's drinking he's miserable it's wonderful how well kenton has adapted to the role of a traditional british pub landlord mm-hmm. uh susan Cassab said linda speaks italian like a native of surrey um christine michael said I picture Susan wearing her tabard all the time now, even in bed. 
I'm not sure whether Christine's in bed picturing Susan in her tabard or Susan's in bed wearing her tabard. Either way, it's disturbing. Um, Wonderbarn said, oh, that awful moment for an elderly parent when you leave your son's £7.5 million farmhouse for your daughter's manor house. <laughs> <sighs> yes. And, uh, I did think that. Yeah. Oh, could she moan anymore? And then there's Wadgers, who, this is Tweet of the Week. Who said, I am not a Peggy fan, but screeching at a three million year old woman is out of order. <laughs> it was a fantastic bit of radio. I could just love the way, even when Susan said, Right, well, I can't stand here talking. I've got, I'm going out the back. And you could hear her clumping across the shop, stamping like a three year old, stampy, stampy, stamping. I don't understand, though. She, this is a volunteering job. And then the the job she actually gets paid to do is Mm. in the farm shop. So she's now jeopardising her paid job. Someone said this on Twitter, by the way. So sorry for stealing it. And I can't remember who you are, but it was a very, very good point. And I'd been sort of coalesced. My thoughts had been coalescing along that way. But you put it very succinctly. She's jeopardising her volunteering role. She's jeopardising her actual paid job for her volunteering role. Mm. It's just ridiculous. And I know, but, she, I know she's nuts and she's got a huge sense of, of disc- you know, sort of being aggrieved with absolutely everybody all the time. But the, but the whole, all of, all of the Ambridge conventions uh, are turned on their head with that volunteering role because she is the boss. Yeah. That is the reason and why. And she's in charge so of all the middle class people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's true. Yeah. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, Chris uh, Lois, uh, Susan Carter, Borsetshire, rogue assassin. Great post on <laughs> dumdydum.com this week. So there you go. Uh, Chris does these these great posts. And yeah. you can read it by uh, going on to dumdydum.com. Hmm. Does that mean that the show is just about over? It does. Good. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a long one. So I'm going to rattle through uh, the back end of the show. Please right. go well, to Well, don't Dumpty slow Dump. down there. Otherwise, you'll get it wrong and then you'll get cross with yourself. Mm, right. You, you are right. Thank you. Go to dumdydum.com <laughs> to join in the debate, especially on our forum, where... Samantha Dean. Jolene. Miss Midcity. Diane Telford. Yokel Bear. Maeve Begley. Maggie Kavanagh. Uh, Sally Annerley. And Valerie Bayliss. All chip in with their thoughts as to whether the scriptwriters have gone too far with the depiction of rob and helen's evening in and if you needed yet another reason to log on to dumptydum.com go there to buy our merch and don't forget you can also go to uh patreon.com we are patreon for slash dumptydum where you can support the show for approximately well well not approximately absolutely two dollars which is approximately about one pound thirty uh you can also donate to us by going to our site and hitting the donate button Order of John Archer news. Now, slowly, slowly, catchy monkey or whatever the uh, expression is. But we have received our second email regarding who has been given a John designation. And this one was from Kate Nichols. Hi, Royfield and Lucy and Millie Bell. I think you wanted people to email if they had an order of John Archer. My dad is John the Seventh. Please give him a shout out to cheer him up while he recuperates from a successful operation on his leg. Now, if you are... John, we want a picture of you hopping. In the next two weeks, <laughs> we want to see a picture of you hopping across the room and only then will we be satisfied that you are properly better. 
right? So get I cracking. I want to see a picture of him hopping. I want to see a picture of him playing football. And then he, he absolutely has recuperated. That's and his true. legs all good. So mm, yes. picture you with your grandkids playing football. Please, yeah. John the seventh. Um, now, if you are a John, we beg you to email in and claim your John Hood for our new page on the website. We specifically need Johns four to six to confirm who the <laughs> heck you are. And as Lucy said before, a photo would be nice if you have one. Remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via the site or you can call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a voicemail message on telephone. Or you can find us on the Twitters where we are at Dumpty Dum or you can tweet me where I'm at Royfield. Me at Lucy V. Freeman or Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith. There you go. Cool. Right. Listen, I was... Uh, yeah, again, you were your wonderful uh, professional self and I was totally pants and I need to have a shower and see what my guests are doing downstairs. <laughs> Sounds like they're singing. Are they? Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Well, no, that no. you know what that is? That's Notting Hill Carnival. That's the, the music oh, starting to, to chime up. Oh, wow. That's lovely. Oh. Maybe next year you'll come. Yes. Good. I'm a bit frightened of it because I don't like lots of crowds, but I'll give it a go. If I'm with someone who knows what they're doing, that's fine. Mm. I just don't like the idea of me flailing around, not knowing where I am. Mm. I tell you that some of the roads do get ridiculously congested, you know, but invariably those around the, the hardcore dance hall, yeah. sound systems and drum and bass ones, which I don't really think are your thing. So if you just stay well clear of those, um, you'll be fine. Okay. But, it, but I tell you, yes, that was absolutely lovely. And I it quite was, like uh, drum and bass, though. Really? Yeah. Are you a bit of a junglist? <laughs> you don't know what I'm like at all, do you? You're damn right I don't. Because you've just, <laughs> like, you know, shattered all of my uh, illusions of you. You know, just that every weekend you're just behind your rug baking with your children. And you're telling me that you're a bit of a junglist and, and you like drum and bass. It's like, what? I have the single most bizarre iTunes collection you have ever seen. <laughs> Sometimes I feel embarrassed about it and think, oh, if I die and someone has to look at my iTunes account, they'll think this woman was nuts. But anyway. Wouldn't that be quite accurate then? <laughs> Shut your face. Mm. Oh. All right, you yeah, listen, I'm going to love you and leave you. All right. Because I've got my guests downstairs. Say hello to um, everyone from me. I will do. Bye-bye, right. Lucy V. Freeman. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello, Lucy and Royfield. Um, I've taken a, a few days after listening to the podcast of last week to ring you. Um, and I wanted to have a think and show my support for Lucy because um, it happened to me too. I came home from school one day when I was 14 and the undertakers were outside my house and I saw them take something out and um, my father had hung himself. It's very difficult to describe how you feel and what you go through but I know that I wanted to support Lucy and if she needs to talk or anything uh, on anniversaries or at any time then she knows where I am it's also very difficult to listen to Kenton at the moment because I can see where this is going it's a very fine line between being alright and not being alright I know that fine line myself now because my husband has in an incurable cancer and I didn't cope at all well for 18 months and I did get in very very low and luckily my doctor stepped in because she could see what was happening 
I'm very lucky I've got a very good GP. I haven't listened to the archers this week, I haven't had a chance, so it's not really relevant, I suppose, but Royfield and Lucy, if you want to play this on the podcast, I am quite happy for you to do so. There will be other people who have mental illness or... Oh, and that's, by the way, why my father killed himself. He was mentally very unstable and the doctors didn't know what to do with him. It was the 1970s and, you know, the I, things weren't very advanced, I suppose, medical science. Anyway, if you want to play it and if it helps other people or if other people want to contact me, then that's fine. I've got no problem with that. And again, Lucy, big hugs, lots of love. I know where you're at. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Scott here, Scott M on Twitter, uh, second time caller in era. And to be honest, I thought the reason that I would be calling in would be to point out Linda's complete inadequacy as a drama critic. Uh, being a freelance theatre critic myself, I thought this would be the thing that would get me really worked up uh, as much as farmers get worked up about the farming techniques in the show as Cosmo gets about his bits of accountancy, which I have to be honest, don't interest me all that much. But obviously things have taken a slightly different turn over the last couple of weeks. And um, I just wanted to say, as I've said to Lucy on Twitter, I think um, I'm full of admiration for the strength she showed in last week's episode of Dumpty Dum. Um, Talking about her own family situation, Lucy, uh, you're amazing. Um, I had my own mental health crisis uh, going on for two years now, got very, very close to doing something which I now know I would have regretted. And with the help of family and friends, I've got through it and my life has never been better since. Um, And I know that's not the case for loads of people. But what irritated me over the last couple of months uh, on Dumpty Dum has uh, been seeing Kenton descend and recognising that descent and then hearing people just say, oh, he's got all he has to do is snap out of it. And um, knowing that that is not the case when you're in that position. People telling you to snap out of it can actually accelerate the spiral rather than halting it. And it's good to see that on this podcast and in recognition of what the character of Kenton has been going through, I think people are beginning to realise that there's more to it than that. On the upside, when somebody does manage to break out of the spiral, there are points in life where you can actually snap out of it. You can actually take control and bring yourself back. And to anybody who's going through a a friend or relative in a really dark place. I know it can be really stressful wondering about how you can bring them back 100% to the person that that they were and that they should be. And just bear in mind that you don't have to. You just have to be there for them, help them through the darkest points, get them to a point where they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, where they actually know that, yes, they can actually help themselves to get out of it and they will run with it, like I did. That's it, basically. Um, I'm going to go now because I'm getting all weepy and I don't want to do that. Okay, bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.